2: Um, Shanquella was a beautiful child, going um, growing up. Um, as me as me being her father, you know, on the weekend she was always like to be with me, you know. And when I leave and go to work, she would cry, you know.
1: Um, she was a daddy girl. She was very loving, very caring. She knew the Lord. She went to church. I'm just about to chill, man. Because
3: Shanquella Robinson was 25 years old when she boarded a plane bound for Cabo, Mexico, on October 28th, 2022.
2: And sadly, only one day after arriving in Cabo, Tranquilla was pronounced dead. And she called me and told me um, she had passed. I just started crying. I just holler And she said, Mr. Robinson, a statement, and what the autopsy um, review, it didn't add up
3: impact of influence, the Shanquilla Robinson story, and our quest to find the truth and find justice for Shanquilla. Hello, friend. So grateful you're spending time with us and are here for episode two of the Shanquilla Robinson case. I'm Matt Harris. Seaton Tucker's here. And Seaton, where can they find us?
2: We are still working on getting our social media set up as well as our website. So for the time being, they're going to have to reach you at your
3: email address. Matt Harris Podcast at gmail.com. And the Still Impact of Influence Murdoch Podcast Facebook page is there. And you can go chime in as well. So Mr. Robinson does not buy this whole theory that he is being told by trip tripmates that she died of alcohol poisoning. And he works very hard and goes through a a lot of steps to get Sincrela's body back. Gets the body back. And then on November 16th, a video surfaces online where there is a, a woman in a hotel room. She is naked and she is being brutally beaten. It is later confirmed to be Sincrela Robinson. And the video is just... If you go find it, you'll be completely disturbed, would you think, I, I just, it's awful.
2: Absolutely, it is very difficult to watch this video, watching a woman being beaten by her travel mate. It's its its awful.
3: And uh, this is the audio of that video. Okay. Cooler, can you at least fight back? No.
0: What? The- what? At least something. At
1: least fight back,
2: something. Get up, bro, get up! To me, the most disturbing part of hearing this audio is that someone is saying, can you at least fight back? And she says no.
3: Mm-hmm. And Mr. Robinson, when we talked to him, said that that's how he raised her. Giancola was not a fighter. And it, it, it's also disturbing that there are at least, you can see at least two other people in the room while the beating is taking place, neither stepping in... Doing nothing. 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 Nothing at all. can only imagine a parent's reaction to seeing their daughter being viciously beaten, not defending herself because she can't, and to know that later that day, their daughter would be dead. And we asked Shanquella's father, Bernard Robinson, what he thought after seeing that video.
1: For these friends to come
2: and snatch her life from up under her like that, it just
1: cold-hearted, and it just told me up.
3: This quickly spread this video through the Winston-Salem State University community where they went to school, and then, of course, blew up nationally. And as soon as Mr. Robinson saw it, he immediately took it to the FBI, and that's when things start rolling. But I want to again try to give you the the visual here. There's there's fist jabs. Uh, there's Violently yanking Shanquella's neck, throwing her under the floor. There's blows to her face. There's kicking her head with her knee. Uh, and, and then she, the person who's doing the beating, the woman kind of goes to the other side of the room. And you see Shanquella lifeless, legs out in front of her, braced against the bed, her head uh, dropped into her uh, chest.
2: And the whole time she is getting beaten, she has no clothing on.
3: Now, people started digging into various social media posts that have been put up by Shanquella and, as they are now called, the Cabo Six, so we can stop calling them trip mates and other things. People were calling them friends, but we now have found out that that's not really the case. It was only the one member of the Cabo Six that was friends with Shanquella. so... We'll refer to these people that went with her as Cabo Six. It's Khalil Cook who is the only one who appears to have a real relationship with Shankwella, Was a friend and a friend of the family. And he was the common bond between the other five of the Cabo Six. Malik Dyer, Winter Donovan, Nazir Wiggins, who said that he didn't get there until the next day. They were celebrating his birthday. Dejanae Jackson and Alyssa Hyatt. Now, in this section of this video that we're going to play for you are a bit confused it was re- it said on youtube and other places that this instagram video from Shenquela came out on the morning of the 29th which is also the morning of the beating and it would be later that day that she Shenquela would be pronounced dead so this is a video of Shenquela walking around this large villa and the rumor was she was looking for the Cabo 6 because they were to go swimming and maybe they were to go skinny dipping or putting suits on. So here is the sound from that video.
2: It's my friends for me because, y'all, it don't take that long to get naked.
1: It don't take that long to get naked, hoes. Where y'all at? She told me I'm going to keep it hot. you going to keep it hot. What? i would keep hot. I that I don't
0: want to work in this cute They... T- when the old said, they croup. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one that's like mediocre is in my chain. I can't remember.
2: My biggest question is, did this video happen before or after the beating incident?
3: The word is that that was taken in the morning as well as the beating in the morning. So it couldn't be before the beating obviously uh because the whole idea is that they are in there talking about her because she she's the only one not in there the other cabo the cabo six are in there cabo five at least
2: well and you hear that they're supposed to be changing yet if you watch this video they are all the cabo six they're all still clothed
3: yes and when Shanquella is in the video where she's being beaten she is naked and we know and we'll get into why we know this later that the beating took place sometime early morning, between 7.30 and 9, something like that. And if this happened before the beating on the same day, what, what, what? It was like 7.30 in the morning or something? That seems weird.
2: Especially if they had had this dinner the evening before and they had been up late, it, it would be unusual that everyone would be out swimming at
3: I guess. 7 in the morning. So that's a bit confusing.
2: It is. And, you know, another thing I want to point out with this video is, is it goes to the narrative of her not really having a relationship and kind of being an outsider amongst this group.
3: We have some statements that were given on November 16th because uh, the State Attorney General's Office of Baja, California, Sur, which is Mexico, reopened the investigation into Robinson's death as a possible femicide after they saw the video. So we have some statements.
2: The first one is from an administrator of the Villas, and he has shown the video of Shanquilla being beaten, and he's able to identify them. He gives a little bit of a description of what he sees in the video. He says one of them is dressed in pajamas with shorts and a blouse, possible pink colors, with white, black, and light-colored cap, appearing to be hitting a female person who was naked. And he identifies Shanquilla as the person being beaten, and Dejanay Jackson as the person doing the beating.
3: And he also starts to narrow down the time frame when the video was taken.
2: Yes, he's very familiar with this villa, and he says in the video it can be seen that the headboard is illuminated by the sun's rays. And he could deduce that the video was taken sometime between 7 and 8.30 a.m. And he says that since... The bedrooms are waterfront that it was easy for him to deduce the morning schedule since the sun rays can be seen illuminating those rooms. And after 10 a.m., the sun's rays begin to reflect towards the floor since there are some pergolas outside of the room.
3: Now, this is important. Remember, that is the morning of October 29th. The medical examiner in Mexico noted the time of death between 4 and 7 p.m. that day. Which doesn't jibe with the fact that the death certificate said she died within 15 minutes of being injured. So if she was injured and it killed her during this fight, that would have been early morning.
2: Yep. Let's talk about the timing. If this beating occurred sometime between 7 and 8.30 in the morning, when did the video we talked about earlier occur that they were getting ready to go
3: skinny dipping skinny dipping,
2: or, or swimming or whatever they were planning to do? Was that before the beating
3: so that'd be really early in the morning. Yeah, it certainly can't be after the meeting. Uh, after the beating, there's there's no way that they, that she'd be Shankwella. Be like, oh, let's see what everybody's doing, and they're in the other room. There's no way it had to be before.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, I have big questions about this,
3: and there's more questions about the timeline. Uh, let's move forward to about two o'clock.
2: Yes, we know approximately two p.m. A doctor was called to the villa. And around 4 p.m. is when they say that she started having convulsions. And the death certificate says 5.57 p.m. is when she was pronounced dead.
3: And then if you listen to the last episode, you know that the autopsy that was performed the day after Robinson died said she died of a broken neck, severe, severe spinal cord injury and atlas luxation, and that she would have died within... 15 minutes of being injured. So the autopsy has one thing, the death certificate the medical examiner has one thing and we should point out too that in those reports from Mexico, they don't mention bruises and things like that, but yet Chenquella's family members said their body when it was returned to them showed obvious signs of being beaten and this video set everything in motion in Mexico and the specialized unit for the investigation of miscellaneous crimes did some uh, interviews on november 17th remember chenquela and the cabo 6 arrived on october 27th she was pronounced dead on the 28th the video comes out 16th i think in november and on 17th they reopened uh, as a possible femicide and they talked to the concierges one of the things she, he points out is that Nationite Jackson appeared to be the main guest handling the trip arrangements. And what else do we find in this statement from the concierge?
2: His statement was five pages long, and I think we should start off with how this group arrived and his observations. Okay. Their flight, according to him, had been delayed, and he received a call telling him this information, and then Dejeuner, who was the primary guest who was communicating with him, said that they would like to stop and do some shopping on their way to the villa, which he said, no problem.
3: Now, this is an expensive villa, I want to point out. They had a uh, I pool, hot tub, view of the ocean, a private chef, and more.
2: The concierge prepared the registration sheets, and he provided them with some guacamole, chips, margaritas, as he waited for the clients to arrive. When they got there, they had groceries, bottles of alcohol, and tequila. Uh, I guess maybe in Mexico they don't consider tequila alcohol.
3: They did separately.
2: Maybe. Um, He said that they looked excited.
3: He says, "I introduced myself to the main guest, Miss Jackson." As her concierge and welcome her, I asked her if she would like to see the villa and show her the rooms, along with some of her guests or friends, to decide who would stay in which rooms. We returned to the dining room to sign the documents, which consist of guest registration, insurance included in the villa, and residential complex rules. and provide a copy of each one of them, registering the following. Khalil Cook, Malik Dyer, uh, Winter Donovan, Chenquella Robinson, Elise Hyatt. Asian A. Jackson, uh, Nazir Wiggins. Now remember, they're celebrating Nazir's birthday. He put something on social media that said he didn't arrive until the day after they arrived. So that would be the 29th. And someone did sign for him on that registration. He did not sign in himself. Back to the concierge report. He goes on to describe the villa. He describes the place too. Uh, the main guest stayed in the master bedroom, located at the end of the living room. There are two rooms. And at the end of the kitchen is a TV entertainment room and an access to an open area, which connects three more rooms. The first room on the left is waterfront. The other room on the right is also waterfront. And the third, which is a double, not waterfront, being at this end of the garage.
2: The concierge goes on to say that he informs Miss Jackson that dinner is ready. And if they weren't ready, that they would be charged an extra hour, which she did not agree with. Minutes later, they all sit at the table and they begin to drink a lot. He says that he met Miss Shanquilla, who was the last one to approach the table to celebrate, noticing in her strange attitude she did not seem to fit in with the others and He says when she introduced herself to him that she did not greet him with a smile, she was indifferent, and she had nothing to do with the atmosphere of celebration, and says that she was out of place at the party.
3: now we're paraphrasing some of the report, and also the report is and Translation of what the concierge was saying to the prosecutors, but again, here's this theme that we've heard that she wasn't tight with the people at this villa.
2: she did not seem like again she she was not smiling. She did not seem like she was at ease with these people.
3: And the only connection that we mentioned before is Khalil Cook to Shankwella Robinson.
2: The concierge describes what happens the next day he says that he has contacted between 150 and 152 pm the next day from the main guest miss jackson asking him if i was available and which was the nearest medical service he says he greets her and he asked how he could support her and he asked if she was looking for a hospital he says that she answered yes He says, I think my friend has alcohol poisoning and needs emergency services and someone to speak or translate Spanish for us. I offered to send a doctor so he could determine if it was necessary to go to the hospital. And he advised her that the doctor did speak English. She answered, yes, please. And he advised her that the cost was $100 for a medical visit. And she agrees and says yes, as soon as possible. At this point, the concierge contacts the doctor around 2 p.m.
3: And we know from the police report, with the interview with the doctor, and with this report we're reading from the concierge, basically takes an hour for the doctor to get there. So she gets there at 3-ish, and she's from a local hospital, and she tells the concierge everything seems to be okay. She just needs to give her an IV. She says it's not serious. Well, at some point some point between 3 and about 420, things go sideways and downhill quickly. The doctor says she believes Robinson's needed to be transferred to a hospital. Her friends insisted that she be treated at the villa. This IV thing wasn't working. And that's when the concierge says his boss calls him and is like, hey, d- dude, there's an ambulance trying to get in. Did you call the ambulance? He says, I didn't call the ambulance. Comes out later that Winter Donovan called 911 to have the ambulance come over. And that was around 4.20. The patient has difficulty breathing. And CPR starts at 4.49 when the doctor, Detective Robinson, had stopped having a pulse. Police arrive around that point.
2: It seems to also be a little bit confusing because they were discussing insurance and whether she had insurance. If it was a really serious situation, you think that that wouldn't matter. You would just get this person to the hospital. Because they didn't want to pay for the ambulance. Uh, yes, is what
3: it appears, and so eventually,
2: or was she gonna ha- not would, would the hospital be visit be covered under insurance, and shouldn't the doctor have insisted that she go if it was the doctor's opinion she needed to be transported to the hospital?
3: It took a while for the ambulance to be called and to get there, and so when the ambulance gets there, that's soon after that the police arrive, we know that four forty nine is when the 14 CPR sessions and five doses of adrenaline, six rounds of the defibrillator, uh, all were happening. And as I said, the police arrive, and that leads us back to the concierge, who picks up on his statement. He says, "Uh, I arrive, I find the police officers in the parking lot of the area. One of the guests, regular build, short hair, was coming and going from the house, calling by cell phone someone in the U.S. and using so-and-so as a translator. Miss Jackson, he says, was talking with this guy. They were going in and out of the house. He says, "I'm saying, hey, what what do you want me to do? You know, I, I'm I'm your leader. I can can help." I then he goes on to say, "quote I initially observed the guests relaxed, calm, sitting in the living room area near the bar and dinner table."
2: In the concierge statement, he gives a little bit more insight into the aftermath of Shenkula's death. He said he offered his condolences to Miss Jackson, and she thanked him, and he gave her a hug, which he described as a very cold hug. He said there was one guest, a skinny girl, who appeared to, she he says, in pain. I'm assuming that means sad. Um, he left the area to give them some privacy and space to mourn and grieve, and moments later, he heard laughter.
3: That is. Just cold. And of course, we can't understand what way to going on. People react differently, but it just does seem weird that he hears laughter outside of that after the person they had just been with was pronounced dead.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it was a very traumatic scene.
3: Yes, and I should point out, when this second investigation started, which is when we were reporting from the concierge, uh, a local newspaper there said that authorities were also investigating the actions of the doctor and two officers of the local police force as regards to negligence and misconduct and dereliction of duties.
2: Well, it sounds like the Cabo 6 quickly decided that they needed to leave the country.
3: He goes on in his statement to say about an hour after he talked to Ms. Jackson and he told that story about them laughing, Jackson texted the concierge about dinner. He arranged a ride for the group to San Jose, But he found out later the group went to the airport. Next day, a maid told the concierge that the villa was empty and said, did the guests check out? And the concierge was surprised that they had not told him about this. So he texted Jackson. She didn't respond until the next day, which would be the 31st, when she told them they had already left for the U.S. and asked if she needed to sign anything uh, because she had already checked out and she already left the country.
2: Right. So maybe they were trying to say that they were they didn't want to stay in this place that their friend had just died or maybe they were concerned for legal purposes that they needed to get out of Mexico very quickly.
3: The concierge said, "Quote, he realized that the, the Jackson had manipulated him in an effort to leave the country as soon as possible."
2: Right. So were they concerned that maybe the authorities would have called and detained them for questioning, and they would not have been able to leave and go home to the U.S.
3: Or, or, as you said, just bothered by the whole thing. We we don't know, but we do know that when they came back, that a few of them, which we mentioned in the other episode, got together with Shinquella's sister and told all about the alcohol poisoning story. Yes. Coming up in uh, the next episodes, we've got some... More news we've got the u s does an autopsy on Shanquella Robinson. We are going to talk to a, a forensic scientist about the two autopsies. We're going to talk to some attorneys about what it takes to extradite someone from the u s to Mexico and we'll dig deeper into the story to get to the truth and to get to justice If you have any comments Matt Harris podcast at gmail.com and See, they can still go until we get everything straightened out. You can
2: still go to our Murdoch podcast Facebook page.
3: We'll talk soon. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's
2: how a scam begins. Convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife and she let me know that they
1: had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction.
2: And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons.
3: So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper.
2: It's fun to know how the trick is done And that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.
1: True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers,